On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. I think that there's, there's going to be some tough conversations had over the next couple of weeks uh, and there's going to be some really unlucky guys. The, everyone who's had an opportunity over the last couple of months has, has really put their best foot forward and, and played some great cricket. So th- there's an idea about the makeup of the, the 15-man squad, but I, honestly there's 17, 18, 19 players that we could pick and, and the, the squad wouldn't be, wouldn't be weaker with any of them in it. So it's a, it's a great position to be in, but it's, it's also going to be a really tough selection. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast brought to you by News Corp. I'm your host Andrew Menzel aka Menas and joining me on today's podcast I have sports writer for the Daily Telegraph Joe Barton. Joe welcome to the show. Thanks, Menace. How are you going? Yeah, good. You got the late call up. We had um, off the bench, I was. Yeah, our Pommy panelist pulled out at the last minute because he was annoyed about the footage I played on the or the sounds I played on the last show. So, just pulled out in um, frustration. Between you and I, he said that he didn't want to talk about Australia, the, the Australian whitewash. He, he said he wanted to focus on some negatives, and he couldn't find any. And the other panelist is chief cricket writer for the Australian, Peter Lawler. Peter, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Thanks. Great to have you. I've been absorbing a lot of your work over the last 24 hours. I, I saw you in a documentary called Downfall about the sandpaper fiasco. Oh, that downfall. Yeah. 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 I was in the other one You were well. wide-eyed yeah. staring into the camera on Downfall. I could see the, the passion in your eyes, Pete. It was a very dark room. It was strangely lit. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't come up good on TV. And I yet, think you're you very do. lucky to be listening to me on a podcast. And yet you're employed widely well, for, for your TV skills. All summer you're on TV, every test. They hire, they hire me to make everyone else look good, I reckon. Yeah. Did you hear about that ABC person who, who uh, after I was on the ABC recently, someone sent in and said, can't you put that bloke up in the hotel? Does he have to sleep under a bridge before he comes on TV? <laughs> was that from the Offsiders appearance on Sunday? Yeah. It is bit, Sunday morning. I mean, cool. So, Pete, since I last had you on the podcast, you've been feuding on Twitter with former and current administrators about the distinction between average crowd figures in the Big Bash and overall crowd figures. So Andrew Jones, former CEO of New South Wales Cricket, and Nick Cummins in Cricket Tasmania, they just they just keep throwing tweets at you about this. And how, how, why, why is it you're so upsetting them? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a fight I wanted to get into, to be honest with you. But, um, <laughs> well, we there can, seems to be this... We can there, move on. There, there seems to be this uh, view among certain administrators and former administrators that you cannot criticise the big bash in any way whatsoever it is it's sacred it's unchallengeable and i kept watching this figure being trotted out by every time someone said the crowds are down a bit the uh, andrew jones would say no no they're up they're up they're up well i'll tell you why they're up more games they're up because they're playing 24 more games than two years ago the cold hard facts are that big bash crowds are down almost 10,000 across two seasons 
that needs to be put out there. And I, I just hope that the people who do administrate the big bash uh, are aware of that. That's, you, you can't paper over that stuff. I don't say it because I hate the BBL. I say it because it's a fact and it's a disturbing trend. If you're losing 5,000 fan members every season and pretending you're not because you keep piling on more games and you're talking about a total audience across the, across the summer, uh, you're being derelict in your duty to the game. You're yeah, lying, lying to yourself. Um, I was reluctant to get into it, but they, then he had a crack at me over me reporting the fact mm. that average crowds were down, and so I just had to defend my figures. There you go, long-winded it, answer about it, something I didn't really want to get to, into. He tends to have a crack once every three or four weeks <laughs> just to revive right. the, the, the very same chat that's odd. Well, there's not even yeah. in cricket administration anymore, Andrew Jones. So. Hey, hey, Andrew's a nice player, but he's got a yeah. blank spot on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me, what I think is wrong with, the argument is that I think what gets lost is they're trying to say that crowd figures don't mean everything, that you shouldn't just measure the success of the Big Bash on the average well, crowd say that. figures. Say that. No, don't I know. keep saying that the crowds are up. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because for me, the reality is TV figures determine more of the financial health of the game than, than the crowd. I mean, the teams want you know big crowds because it looks better, but in the end they – the ratings are more important. Hey, and look, broadcasters weren't happy with the season. No. It was an average season. The BBL's got a few. The BBL's a magnificent product. Let's not, let's not shy away from that. There's a million people going to a game that didn't exist 10 years ago. I mean, that's a fantastic effort. It's one of the best things that Cricket Australia has ever done, aside from its promotion of women's cricket and the way it's, it's treated that in recent years, even if it was laid out of the blocks. But... There's a few issues going on there, and they have tried to expand too quickly. They've got greedy, and they need to reassess. Well, well well said, Pete. Now, in today's show, listeners, the three of us are going to wrap up the Pakistan versus Australia ODI series. We're going to discuss the lingering sandpaper gate issues, and then we'll sink our teeth into the week's cricket headlines and to bring it on home we've got an old segment but a favorite of mine can't let it go all right just to kick things off some great news about the podcast cricket unfiltered is a finalist in the sports and recreation category at the australian cricket podcast awards thank you for the second year in a row so well done everyone well done um, all the panelists that came on and all the listeners that support the show Uh, Uh, will you be Hiring a dinner suit and all that stuff. I don't think I have to. Do you own one? Cocktail suit. I'll be wearing a cocktail suit. Do they wear them at podcasting? You would reckon podcast functions would be a bit funky, wouldn't they? Yeah, you can swear whatever you want. Hipsters hanging around, drinking craft beer, eating sort of roasted, slow roasted smoked meats. Is that what it's like? A few almond lattes. Sounds like your scene, Pete. Yeah. What? A couple of craft beers. What sort of music would they have, do you reckon? (laughs) Not sure podcasts would be playing. Tim Rogers. But yeah, I'm great. I'm glad the podcast made the finals for the second year in a row. There are loads of great sports podcasts out there, so to be recognised is pretty special. And What's uh, another good one? Well, we're the oh, only sorry. cricket one to make the final, so you can read into that what you want. Oh, that one by that former bowler didn't make it. No, nope, didn't name? Make the bowlerologist. Yeah, 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 he didn't make it. Didn't no, make it. oh, bad luck, Damien. You have to be yeah. able to like understand what they're saying usually to make the finals. Sometimes the sound on the bowlerology report goes up and down. All right, but let's get into the cricket. Let's, I've already had a crack at Flemo's podcast, but it was only in the beginning. Now they've fixed the sound up. Good so, book, that first one that Flemo wrote. He's got another one coming out too. 
Ooh, another yeah, scoop like there from book. Scoops Lawler. Yeah. So Australia have smashed Pakistan 5-0 in the one-day series. It was their first away series clean sweep in over 10 years. Now the ODI team has won eight games in a row. Now, there were three standout batters in the series, and they've made it pretty hard on the selectors. So Aaron Finch, 451 runs at 113 with two centuries and two 50s. He also made made his 4,000th ODI run and is the third fastest to that mark behind David Warner and Dean Jones. So uh, in, in emphatic return to form from Finch, and uh, couldn't have come at a better time for the selectors who probably were bad, getting a bit worried. Yeah, yeah. He, he needed it. He needed it, and um, this was, I mean, it was a performance against an understrength Pakistan, but it was one which is very, very welcome from um, from the Aaron Finch perspective in particular, but quite a few Australian batsmen and, and bowlers, really. Like, good performances all around, and it's, it's not necessarily papered over cracks, but it's put Australia in a really good position um, heading into the World Cup, which they weren't in six weeks ago. Well, you can't buy confidence, can you? And, and if, you know, Aaron Finch talked about... Uh, Difficult conversations. I mean, he was facing a difficult conversation himself. So it's critical for him as as an opening batsman to go into the World Cup with runs under his belt because he, he had been in a deep, dark hole. But even more critical because he's the captain of that side and he's going to be captaining a side with David Warner and Steve Smith in it, the blokes who used to have live in the captain's suite. So he needs to be totally comfortable in his position just just for going into a World Cup, you need to be confident about your batting and your, and, and your leadership. But to be going into a World Cup with the former skipper and the former vice-captain just come back into the team, I think it's even more critical. So well done, Aaron Finch. Absolutely. And also, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, the selectors were looking at bringing Tim Payne in from outside the squad to possibly be the World Cup captain. So that's how... Dyer was getting for Aaron Finch. The uh, another batsman. They weren't thinking about Matthew Wade. I think it was just a. It was a suggestion for oh, Ian, Ian Chapel. Yeah. Ian Chapel. Yeah. Oh, I'm. No. I'm pretty sure Crash confirmed it. Crash was thinking about it. Crash so, said something in relation to wicket keep. Uh, yeah. Cr- wicket Hone keepers. said they were. Payne was still in the Sorry, frame yeah, in March. I mean. yeah, so I'm confused there. Payne was their backup um, because. I don't think they felt that anyone in the current team could step up as captain, although I would love to have seen Max, the Aussie captain. Uh, Usman Khawaja in against Pakistan, 272 runs at a tick under 55, three half centuries. And in a, it's stunning stats, it's his, in the last match he made 98, which is his fifth score of 88 or more in his past seven innings. And, mm. you know, from someone that probably wasn't in World Cup calculations at the beginning of the summer... He's almost a certainty now. And I guess the problem is now, who's going to open the batting in the World Cup? You've got Finch, Kawaja and Warner. How do you sort them out? If it was up to me, I'd bat Kawaja at three. But I don't know that that's what they're thinking. I think think the balls are in the air and that stuns me a little bit because you open with David Warner. You know, you have to. and because and Kawaja can bring that. I'm not saying that Warner doesn't can't play a consolidating role if you lose a wicket early, but I I rather David Warner going hell for leather at the top of the order, and particularly with the way he's going the IPL at the moment. It's Cyclone Warner, isn't it? He scores of 85, 69, and 100 not. He he is. It's the David Warner of old in the IPL. If we could get half of that in the World Cup, we're well on the way to winning. We are well on the way to winning. <laughs> We. I'll throw some numbers at you. So, obviously, you'd, 
I would like to I would like to have Finch and Warner. That's that's who I think would should be the uh, opening partnership. They've obviously done it before. Oh. Are you allowed to agree on podcasts? Or are you However, to disagree? I'm gonna, <laughs> what I'm, the point it's I'm going to be genuine. The point I'm going to say in a second. Usman Khawaja is the only one out of those three who's ever batted number three. Um, Didn't he bat three against India earlier this summer? Was he? Yeah, yeah, I believe he did. So he averages twenty four at batting at number three. Um, the other guys have never batted at number three. They've but both batted bad at number five. We got good Uzi now. Are you saying it's dependent on position? Mm, no, but there is a school of thought that Uzi does like to open in white ball cricket. Well, I think he definitely likes to open. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Actually, he doesn't. Yeah, Sean Marsh is a guy who not necessarily doesn't. He averages forty five at, at batting at three with a strike rate of eighty eight. So he's he's actually the, the best performed Aussie number three that there is out there on in the world. You might throw Steve Smith in the mix, but um, you're not Ma- seriously but, suggesting Marsh bats at three. Well, I'm saying he's the best qualified, but I don't but think. What he's... happens to the other three? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm saying he's better qualified batting at number three than. So say, you're going to drop Finch, Kawaja, or Warner? I'm not dropping Finch, and I'm not not dropping uh, Warner. Okay. But I, I I can definitely mount a case to to say that I he's, would take Kawaja ten times over well, Sean. Kawaja Kua- is the leading run scorer in the world yeah, okay. in 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 uh, the past what three months, but Sean Marsh. Has a case, but he probably won't even be in the My squad. My problem with Sean be... Marsh is, is that his performances were in losing matches. So the hundreds he scored, we lost most of those matches. So he's not technically a match winner, even though he scored four hundreds in the last year and a bit. What about the two fifties that he got in the UAE? They were in match winning performances, I suppose. Okay, but I didn't, he wasn't a match winner. I just did my HR course, so I yeah. can't say what I'm thinking here about a colleague, but you're out of your mind, mate. Okay, it's just insane. I did That's the, I just did the, ridiculous. I think I did the same HR course this morning. Did you? Yeah. Well, I failed In which it. Steve Wilson features... Yeah, we're not allowed to disparage colleagues, but you're, that's, that's insanity. Yeah, I, I think Usman Sean Marsh's day is a number. But Usman's number three for you? Oh, yeah, I think in England. Usman probably does have to bat three. He does it in the test side. Finch and Warner have a good thing going when they play together. So, yeah, you brought up Sean Marsh. I think he's going to miss the squad. I, I, I just agree. Think, why would you take him? He's going to miss the squad because they've got too many blokes at the top of the order. But Hanscom could miss the squad. He could. He could. It's between Hanscom they play different and Marsh roles. for, my, for yeah. my, they're, the, they're the two current, in, in the current 11, they're the two who I think are most in peril, aren't they? In, among, the bats, among the batters. And Hanscom possibly has more strings to his bow when you throw in the wicket-keeping and the fact that his bat's lower down the order to Marsh. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, I yeah, They forced me to name a 15 yesterday, yeah. and for a long time it sat on my screen with those two sitting next to each other. And... Um, I flipped a coin. Yeah, I would have Marsh out, Hanscom the wicketkeeper batting at six or seven. All right, next thing about the ODI side, I am so sick of people floating the suggestion that Steve Smith is not needed in our World Cup team, Joe Barton. Mm. Still haven't got over our last podcast. Now, just throw this at you. Who was Australia's highest scoring batsman in the last World Cup? Steve Smith. 402 runs at an average of 67. In seven innings, he scored five scores over 50. So he's a big tournament player. And he was 11 years old. (laughs) Was that four years ago? So Steve Smith comes straight in. The team's changed a little bit since then. And then a few players in that team who aren't playing as well as they were four years ago in one-day cricket, of which Steve Smith is one. His test form has skyrocketed since then. His ODI form has dropped. He averages 48 in one-day cricket. Not in, in, the, in, his final top year, four in his final year in ODI cricket, he averages 27. Oh, so who goes, out? Who goes out for him, Menace? Who yeah. goes out for Smith? Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, so you can't get you know. You okay, can't get so all that food on your Warner, plate, small plate. Finch, Kawaja, Smith, Maxwell, Stoyness, Hanscom so with the gloves. Carries out. Carries out. Got Carey, has yeah. he? As much oh, as I like Kerry, okay. he's gone. Going to a World Goodbye. Cup without a specialist keeper. It's interesting. Yeah, I've in, seen in England when the ball wobbles. I've yeah. seen Hanscom keep up close. He is a very talented gloveman. Very talented. As talented as Kerry, in my opinion. I'm gonna take uh, men as. Uh, I'm gonna take the same HR position as before. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our last one is um, Glenn Maxwell. Special mention. In the last three games of the series, 71 off 55, 98 off 82, 70 off 33. I did take umbrage at something Justin Langer said. He said that Maxi could be a test player. I mean, that's fine, he but you actually have be. to pick him ahead of people like Marnus Lobeshane and Travis Head if you want him to be a test player. So, I mean, it's easy to say that now, but you ignored him all summer. I was more interested that he said he could be the next Virat Kohli. He's mm. got one... Well, yeah. He's only 40 centuries to go, but um, okay. yeah. yeah, click your heels. Um, I, I'm really excited. He, what, strike rate of 139 mm. point something. Kind of looked like the pennies dropped a little bit about the different roles you have to play in that position. Like, And the easy role is, isn't it, the big hitting to get us home, but the more difficult one is, is, the longer is steering innings. home. Yeah, He reckons the pennies drop. JL reckons the pennies drop. We'll, we'll wait and see, but... He's an X factor. You need an X factor in every every good eleven, don't you? Mm. Yeah. I was worried in, in if the he had a format. poor uh, end to that series that they could use that as an excuse to drop him. What, what um, did you make of the, the 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 quick running for the ninety eight? Like the self the selfless kind of um, sacrifice he made to not not go for the century to to just scrap for for that extra run. Did you I, like it? I don't think that was at all selfless. I just think he thought that he could make it back. I mean, that was a great throw from the boundary straight was, over yeah. the stumps, you know. Meter either side is safe. So I don't think he was thinking, oh, you know, any anything other than I can probably turn that into two, which is the right attitude. But another player who it's critical that he plays with confidence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so, Pete, uh, talking about the bowlers for the World Cup squad, I guess most of the concerns revolve around injuries. You know, we've got Hazelwood, Stark and Jai Richardson under injury clouds. Mm. Is there a chance that someone like Josh Hazelwood might uh, sit out the world, well, not be selected for the World Cup and get fully fit for the Ashes? Well, that's what I wrote this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing that uh, Hazelwood is not in their plans, at least... I don't know that it's unanimous on the selection panel, but that that idea is afloat. They're happy to leave him home, as surprising as it sounds. And um, don't write off Jai Richardson yet. He didn't he have to may, have surgery, did he? No, he didn't. So he may yet play. But, yep, uh, Hazel Hoff, a, as it stands at the moment. Hazel Nutt. Yeah. Whatever he's called, yeah. He He's certainly <laughs> not he, He's certainly not even, he's not in, in, in ink at all. What about James Pattinson in the one-day side? Can you imagine unleashing an attack of, like, Pattinson, Cummins, Stark on the world? I mean, if every team's four for 50, they can't score many runs in a 50-over game. Well, I think I might have already said this somewhere once before, but if I was Cricket Australia, I'd be buying that. What was that? That Hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric chamber that Michael Jackson used to sleep in, and I'd be putting Pato in that, and I wouldn't let him out until the ashes came. And, you know, you just yeah, hope that he didn't come out with a white glove on. <laughs> I think considering one. all the um, the so, bowling restrictions, etc., which are on Pato at the moment, including in the Shield final, I think you just you rest him up for the Ashes. I didn't know that. Was he under bowling restrictions? I think he, he couldn't bowl more than five over spells in the, um, in the Shield final. 
Yeah, and look, and it was interesting to know that it, he's got he, he's got the option of a county gig. I'm not mm. sure that, uh, and he's waiting to see if CA will actually give him the nod to do it. So that's interesting. I don't know if they have or haven't yet. Do you? No, no. Okay. I thought he was going to play for Knots. I thought that was confirmed. Well, I'm not. A, I'm not 100 percent sure about that because I reckon back in my head I heard him say last week. I oh, know when he was up here in New South Wales, he said, "I've got. A, I'm waiting for clearance on that." Yeah, so, well, they'd be maybe they'd thrilled to have him over there, wouldn't they? Somebody, if you're at home, Google it. Would you? Langer argued that the squad's upcoming downtime time in April could be a dangerous period, as Langer said. Punter. Ricky Ponting texted me a couple of days ago and said he wished the World Cup was starting today. I guess, Joe, any concerns over this break or almost a good timing? They can have a rest and recharge? Well, you definitely don't want to be peaking in uh, at the start of April, do you? So hopefully Australia hasn't peaked with this series. And um, they, I know they've got a camp coming up in a couple of weeks. So give the players a little bit of mental refresh and yeah, get, them, get them back ready for the World Cup. But... Look, if, if if the World Cup was played today, it'd be great because India's not at their peak, Pakistan's not at their peak, England's not at their peak, so they're they're taper, they're tapering off to to peak in two months, and um, that's what Australia hopefully is doing as well. Three yeah. weeks ago, Australia were eight to one to win the World Cup, they're now down to five to one. Can I get negative for a second? Yes, please. And just suggest that uh, I hope we all haven't got too far ahead of ourselves. That was a pretty poor team that uh, Pakistan was putting on the field. I think two of those players in the last game you'd probably see in a World Cup eleven. Yeah, they, they so rested take, five guys from the you series. Know, so that was batting practice, basically. You know, that was facing the, the um, bowling machine in the nets. And India was uh, India the was comeback similar. against India was good, but uh, it's going to be very different p- conditions. So that, they were great conditions for making runs. They've just been in mm. uh, the ball. The ball doesn't swing, doesn't move off, doesn't seem. And we know, you know, and like, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I re- <laughs> Finchie's not going to be looking forward to playing <laughs> India over there with Boomer, you know, bring that ball back into him, and a few of them. Uh, so, anyway, just a, a hint of caution around that. These are very different conditions. But they do have the, a couple of games against some New Zealand scouts 11. That yeah, play three, three warm-up games or yeah. whatever it is. Not, and it's not the real New Zealand team because they're in the IPL. And then they've got a couple of games warm-up in England, haven't they? One of them's mm. against England, one of them's against... No idea. Yeah, no idea. That's, the That's no a good idea team. 11, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, but from where Australia came from, just could not win a game. Yeah. Just yeah. to get that winning feeling, just the confidence and, you know, especially those three in a row in India were just unbelievable. Oh, a come-from-behind series victory in India is nothing to be sneezed at at all. Hey, and you can't tell me that, you know, Virat Kohli wasn't up and Adam and wanted to win that. Absolutely. So that is the one-day series in the UAE completed. Job done for the Aussies. It's been – rarely we've been able to say that in the last couple of years. All right, now to the great man-cad debate. Well, since the last podcast, there's been a huge controversy over – the dismissal of Joss Butler in the IPL. Ravi Ashwin ran him out at the non-striker's end. I just want to touch on this briefly. I think first things first, they need to change the name of the dismissal to something else. Browned out. You're saying that Bill Brown. Yeah, call it browned out. That was Sonal Gavaska's suggestion. But it's called run out, isn't it? Yeah, officially it's a run out. So we've got to stop using the expression. Good old rounder, man, wasn't he? One One of the great Indian players. One thing I found interesting about the fallout from the ManCAD debate 
or run out at the not strikers end was that a lot <laughs> of journalists a lot of journal a lot of journalists were on Ashwin's side saying you know he had every right to do it but there seemed to be a sort of a player feeling that it was against the spirit i wonder Virtue what signaling mate come on Oh, what, what do you think? You think that's it? <laughs> Never thought I'd ever use that phrase. Must be the building I'm in. Hey, um, you think that's why? No. Nah. Uh, what players? Yeah, there seemed to be current players were more against it than well, sort of journo's. Yeah, some players. A lot of a lot of the batsmen were batsmen, certainly against yeah. it. Um, the likes of Mitchell Johnson were were pro run out at the bowlers end. But Hazelwood was against it. He said it wasn't a good thing. Good look for the game. He's too nice. He's yeah. a nice guy. Ooh, sorry. Warney was against it, but uh, he might actually work for that team, might he? Yeah, well, my tip for Joss Butler is just don't be a moron. Like, you look at the bowler bowling, and then you start running. He, so. he has been done for it before, but this one was as tight as you could possibly imagine. If he'd gone through with his normal bowling, and, and I'm I'm pro, I, I've, I've got no issue with it. It's it's within the rules, so, yeah, yeah. Stay, stay behind the line. Did you see the stills, though, of the first three deliveries of that over? Was he also in front he of the line? No, yeah. yeah, well in front of the line before the ball was at, ball was out of the hand. So if he wasn't if he wasn't done guilty that time, he was certainly guilty the, three the times. Previous three. And, and no Ravi, sympathy. Ravi, Ravi Ashwin is is you know I, I think Crash wrote that he's a scholar of the game. He knows the rules inside out, and he would have done his homework on Josh Butler and probably known this yeah. and seen and seen those first three but deliveries. Gully cricketer from down in Chen, Chennai way, and <laughs> they play eighteen yard cricket. And the most popular form of dismissal is the run out at the bowlers. In, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I said yeah. it happened to me so often in the playground with your mates. You know, you get run out at the non-strikers end. It's a common dismissal. Bringing up old memories here. Anyway, yeah. I agree. So, yeah. Josh Butler learned to run properly. All right, we're going to take Butler a. I did it quick break in the podcast um, before that though I don't know if you guys saw on um, April Fool's Day the ICC got into the spirit of the day and sent out two tweets one of them was that in test cricket now as well as players having numbers they're going to have their Instagram handle on the top of their shirt um, so to be you know at P Lawler or at Joe Barton um, so you know people in the crowd can follow them on Instagram What's Instagram? <laughs> I thought that was quite funny to put that on social media by the ICC. And the other thing the ICC put on for April Fool's Day was that in we'll test matches, big bash round one next year. Yeah, mate. for That's sure. Yeah, for it. Go on. that from now on in a test match to decide who bat or bowls, they'll do it via a Twitter poll, so the the crowd could decide who bats or bowls. India would never lose another <laughs> toss in their life. I was going to say, like the population of India would certainly. Be a factor. Yeah. Anyway, that was the ICC getting into the April Fool's Day spirit. Maybe Eddie Maguire could do the toss. Well, my, my daughter, who's 13, thought the Instagram handles was a <laughs> good idea. Let that one go through to the keeper. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right. Sorry, we're you were talking about your daughter? No, no, no. Uh, she yeah, just thinks the Instagram handles is not a, a bad idea. And, well, you know, if you want to engage with the young people. Did you hear that? That's the next gen. That's who we're talking to. That's right. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break in the podcast. Just want to remind you all, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, find yourself a podcast app, subscribe to Cricket Unfiltered. We're also on Spotify, and um, you can tell all your cricket-loving friends about the podcast. It'd be a great way of uh, getting a few new listeners. How many subscribers do you have? Thousands. Really? Thousands, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I was... Saw some other cricket writers who have a podcast, and they were but they were getting quite excited because they'd got to ninety. 
Oh yeah, I got to 90 about six years ago. So we're going to take a quick break. Did you hear? He got, he got nominated for <laughs> and the And then we'll be back with some awards. fake news. Yeah, I think I heard that, yeah. Yeah! Chopped on, there it is! Pattinson in his second over has the breakthrough. Larkin gone for four. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Manners. I'm here with Pete Lawler, Joe Barton, and that was James Pattinson destroying New South Wales, the great Mel Jones on the call. She's great, isn't she? She's amazing. Yeah, yeah great commentator. Yeah. All right, Peter. So you wrote last week, the past is, as William Faulkner said, never dead. It's not even past. Trevor Chappell said when all this went down, in bracket sandpaper gate, that they would be marked for life by the event. So, in you know, in the last week, we've had the one-year anniversary of the sandpaper scandal. And before we get to the real headlines, we've got some fake news to discuss. There was a report in the Fairfax papers that the Australian boy- bowlers were considering boycotting the final South African test last year if Warner played. But then on the weekend... The bowlers, Cummins, Hazelnut, Stark and Lyon, took the unusual step of releasing a statement saying that that report was false. Now, what, 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 Pete, what, what's your reading of this sort of saga? I mean, you know, the, the sceptic would say that the Fairfax report was probably on, on, on the money and the bowlers are just sort of trying to dispute that. But what do you think? I was surprised to read their report. The Fairfax report, yeah. Yep. And I wasn't surprised to see it tonight. It was, I mean, it seemed like a big part of the report itself was that Warner was that they would stand down if Warner was going to play, but he was never going to play. Like there's, it was well, like, to give them their due, they stand by their story. They reckon their story's right. So I don't know. I mean, well, I don't. I don't think it is, but they reckon it's right. Sorry about my throat, and no, I can't drink Coca Cola. Thanks, man. How come? Yeah, we should have water up here. So they re- to give them their due, they stand by their report. I don't agree with it. I, I don't think that's right. You, a, a lot of things were said at that time, and you could have written, you, know, you could have made a headline out of a lot of the things that were said at that time that were said in the heat of the moment. But my mail is that that wasn't said. Uh, I ran some, you know, I had I've spoken to people who, who were in the rooms at that time, and they they swear it wasn't said, but they agree a lot of other things were said. Anyway, yeah. What what was a year ago? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I'm sure, that, as you say, a lot could have been said. Someone might have said, I don't want to play with him again. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it, it stands up enough to be printed, does it? No. Some of the things my wife said to me last night, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No. It, I know. It, look, things I'm, are said in the heat of the moment, aren't they? But then, you know. Do you have uh, a fight with your wife well, last it, night? It was extraordinary that Cricket Australia decided to respond and to deny the story. I've rarely seen that, but I think someone told me it was on the front page of the paper, was it? I mean, mm. it was the splash of the paper. So it was a pretty significant story. And I, sh- I think it goes to show you just how sensitive that topic is now when we're having the, re- the, the re-entry into, yeah. into Earth. I mean... The guys are coming, you know, coming in from outer space, and it's getting hot, and everyone's a bit sensitive about it. Yeah, the uh, four bowlers wouldn't. I've want never that seen sort that of... done before when they put out a statement yeah. denying a story. They they wouldn't want any friction to be within the squad with um with Dave coming back in. They definitely would want the calmest and happiest possible uh, dressing room. And this, if if this was if this story was correct, they would definitely want to douse it anyway. Yeah, I see Langer blew up about it yesterday too. Yeah, that story, but. 
Well, why is it considered bad form as a journalist to criticise someone else's story? Oh, it's not considered bad form. Um, I, I mean, it's not considered bad form, but it's. I think some people, some people in the media make make. I mean, that's basically their career is criticising other people in the media. Uh, it's not an area I want to go to. I think all of us know that we can make mistakes and we can get things wrong, and we never, and none of us ever mean to. Not respected journalists like Andrew and John. And we and probably we all travel together too. But well, there are times where we'll come out and have a crack at each other, and we've had some raging blues. But uh, yeah. I, I think we all know. But there, but for the grace of God, go I. You know, I, I'm sure one day I'll write something that's wrong. And if I, th- I live that long, I think in this instance, like I, I, don't, I don't know who Andrew or John's sources are on this on this issue. If if perhaps I did and. I could, in my own mind, go, well, I definitely know that's wrong. Then perhaps I would be stronger in criticising them. But, you know, they've they've obviously got multiple sources on this, as it said in the story. Mm. You know, they're, and they're backing them in, so... And, and I tell you, it would be a very different reaction if the fourth test was about to be played and that story was broken. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's not a relevant issue. No. If, if, if that was written on, uh, you know, between the third and fourth test we would all have to pick it up in some manner and, and deal with it mm. as fact or fiction or as part of the debate. But it, it's very much in, in the rearview mirror, this stuff. Yeah, I've been told that players don't want to talk about the ball tampering anymore. They're, they're sick Funny of it. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to the week's cricket headlines brought to you by the Daily Telegraph. Well, you heard James Pattinson taking wickets and Victoria... Pete, your old Victorian heart here will be warmed by the fact that Victoria have swept all the domestic titles. They won the Shield final against New South Wales by 177 runs. That means they've won the Big Bash, the JLT Cup, and now the Shield. It was a great effort, wasn't it? I actually went down there on the weekend to check out Junction Oval. Wow, what a great facility. Mm. Victoria have set the standards for um, training facilities and for grounds. A beautiful ground, too. Dedicated. New Lovely South Wales spot, need that, a second ground that is really where, when the SCG is unavailable for AFL, they can play it at one good well, venue. What Aren't they going out to Homebush next year? Well, Blacktown, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it might be Homebush. Yeah, you keep hearing both, but I, I think that they are setting up at Homebush for a dedicated facility next year. So it's not like being at, at the Junction Oval. No. Um, it's a bit of a pain for everybody. Great match. The bowling on Friday was just the hair on your arms stood up. Paddo should have had a lot more wickets than he did. Well, he took um, seven for seventy in the game. So yeah, he could have got he could have got seven for seventeen on the Friday. He was bowling that well, and in tandem with Siddle, he's unstoppable. When they were up here two games previous, playing at Drummond, nice facility that actually. Good commentary that game. Yeah, it was. Well done, Menas. <laughs> What was I going to say? I, I had a chat to some of the Blues players after that game. They said, you can't give Victoria a sniff when you're batting because if you do, they're all over you with Pattinson and Siddle, and that's just what happened. That was brilliant bowling. And a great innings by Marcus Harris to score a century mm. in those conditions with the first, was it the first Shield final with the Dukes ball or the second? I cannot confirm or deny that no, fact, No, but uh, they were using the Dukes ball, and they were. it was certainly the first with the first innings points system. Mm. But uh, good game of cricket, I reckon. Yeah, and th- th- is that Harris's third Shield final ton? Yeah, he's um, he has proven that he stands up in the big games, certainly for Victoria. Um, and can you believe if the reports were to be believed, 
Peter Siddle wasn't going to play in. Uh, he was, he was the, the last man into that uh, Victorian eleven. Really, I didn't so was, read that. Yeah, yeah, it was either going to be him or Sam, Sam Harper. Harper yeah. Were and they decided no, we can go with five quicks. As a result, they they decided that yeah, yeah. the, well, the w- wickets were more important, and they were right because they had the only bloke who scored more than sixty five runs in a yeah. You know. And and Sid's is a great bowler in it. And interesting, isn't it? Like, I mean, Sids and Pato are basically a chance of getting on the boat, aren't Huge they? Huge chance, yeah. Sids has b- sort of been um, talked about for a long time as an Ashes player this series, and he's certainly the coach likes him a lot. Um, but you can't deny Pato now. No, and you think no, back Pato to that, he cannot be denied. If he's can, fit, he has to go. Can you get them both on? Can you get them both in that in that squad? I mean, you just think about how valuable Siddle was, or how valuable he could have been. He played the fifth test of the last Ashes series. <laughs> Best bloke never to play in an Ashes series, wasn't he? Yeah. No, what what I think, though, there. that's more important about Siddle is this is exactly the problem with when you're the perennial 12th man for the Australian team. You know, Siddle spent the first half of the season running around with drinks for the Aussie team. So he didn't get to play as much cricket. And I spoke to him after a big batch game and he said, you know, he, it was hard. You, you lose rhythm. Mm. You know, you love to be with the Aussie team. He, he, there's no doubt he loves being picked and even 12th man, but it is, does affect your rhythm if you're not getting game time. He wasn't loving it when he didn't get a game up in Brisbane, I can tell you that. Yeah, I bet he was. He was real cranky. Cause yeah. I, I think he'd been basically locked in for that one. And then, Hazelwood broke down and Richardson pushed past him. Mm. Um, you know, he was gazumped for a spot in the team and he wasn't happy and had every right not to be happy. Already. Absolutely. You think you've got a not spot in the pecking order and well, then I you... heard that he wasn't happy. He certainly didn't say anything to me. Well, I can imagine he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, in the final, though, you see Marcus Harris, 141. Also, be important to mention Will Pekofsky, 51 in the second innings, and Curtis Patterson, 76 for New South Wales. And, you know, those runs for all three of those plays in a bowler's game where the ball's moving around really do um, stand up because, you know, no, no, no batsmen really look comfortable apart from Harris. But for Pekofsky and KP to score runs augurs well for England. Mm, yeah, it did. Yeah, because Trent Coatland's a decent bowler too, is, and uh, Sean Abbott's bowling as well as he ever has yeah. in his career, hasn't he? Asher Smokey as well. Who? Sabbat, Sean Abbott? No, Trent Copeland, yes. but Trent Copeland finished most shield wickets. Yeah, we'll get to that. I, I had a question actually for both well, of isn't you. Isn't he going to be at the Logies or something? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> did you think that his media career would affect his selection in that we he goes one. on the Ashes tour... Next year, he's going to be commentating on seven. So you've had someone, you know, within the what dressing room. What makes you think room. he's going to be on seven again? Oh. Well, I would well, assume he would be. be it might be. It's a different season next year, so he may not be on seven. Okay. I, I was only thinking about this the other, I don't know anything, but if you think about it, there'll be more clashes. It was an open, a gap opened up for him this year. I'm not sure. If it's yeah, I think he'll be year. back on seven, considering he's he nominated is. for a Logie. He's brilliant. Mr. New South Wales game. To I loved his segments. Did yeah. You, yeah. Did you see so I'm just saying, would, would you Gideon want, that other would really you want someone from your, you were on seven, weren't you? <laughs> You'd want someone from the, would you want someone from the dressing room then commentating next summer? Always happens. Okay. Well, it always happens. Question. And uh, nobody knows how to keep secrets better than old cricketers. I mean. Do the secrets come spilling out when they get behind the microphone? No. Oh, I think the come longer on. someone's in front of a microphone, the more they say. Yeah, but he does expert analysis, doesn't okay. he, with his um, green screen or whatever it is. He's good at that, isn't he? Anyway, Victoria were the best team Wild of the season. They beat New South Wales three times, the second best team. And that's, what, four out of five shields for the Victorians? 
So well done to them. Let's just wrap up the stats from the Shield season. Table toppers with the bat. Marcus Harris, 1,188 runs at 69.88. Matthew Wade, 1,020 runs at 60.05. Now, there can be no doubt now Matthew Wade has to go on the Australia A tour at the very least. It's just, I have not changed my position from the last couple of times we've spoken well, about Matthew Wade. don't remember. Well, listeners, last, last couple of times we've... Um, if, if you, the just number, give me an answer. Yes, number, he should go on the Australia up. tour. Well, how can you ignore him? Thank you. Pete, do you reckon he'll go on the Oz A tour? Yeah, has to. Yeah. Uh, has to. Joe Burns did enough, I think, with six half centuries. No centuries, but I think six half centuries does show a certain level of consistency. Yep. Renshaw... 394 runs at 22 Ashes Hopes down the gurgler. And he is becoming the, like Matt Hayden, that, you know, some players don't like auditioning for spots. So it seems like Renshaw really struggles when he's in that position where he needs to score runs to get picked. And I think we're talking about Renshaw. I love these running sheets, mate. We, we need to mention bangers, don't we? Bancroft. Yes. Bancroft took the opportunity. So basically you're talking about potential openers. He scored big runs. Yeah, and he spent big time at the wicket. Was it six or seven? It was one game. Balls? It was one yeah. game he against, did well. Against New South Wales, he was very good. Yeah, yeah, no. So he certainly pushed Renshaw aside on that. Yeah. yeah every, Not hard when you average 22. Every time the door is open for Renshaw, you're, you're exactly right. He responds with a 16 and... It's just, yeah, it's it's infuriating for, for somebody who would like to see the best of Matt Renshaw and who, we've seen it at test level, what he's what he's capable of, but... Um, well, the selectors went for Marnus over Renshaw in the UAE last year, so... Perhaps they were right, judging by your numbers. I think they were wrong. They've, they've, they've crippled Renshaw. George Bailey, six games, injury, but... Averaged 23 for the season. I think it could be the end for George Bailey at first-class level in this country. Also signalled by the fact that he gave up the captaincy this year. That would be very sad to see gorgeous George bow out. Yeah, he's a good dude. I think the injury is a, a potentially a bigger factor than averaging 23. I don't know. What's what's the latest on the injury? But it was seemed quite yeah, serious. Not sure. Yeah. But couldn't he go now and play T20 cricket around the world and, you know, the CPL, the... He could. He finished Canadian League, the BPL. He finished the Big Bash in the PSL. Know, very strong form, and he was he was, you know, leading. He could cash in for the next two years and make sweet. He could, cash. He could make a killing. He could, and he should. And he deserves yeah. it. Yeah. Mitch Marsh, two centuries, an average of thirty-five. That's usually enough to get him in the Test side. So he'll probably tour England and make the World Cup squad. Maybe. That's that. that you're that joking. Was joking. Yeah, I was joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Get them both in there. Both the Marsh boys. Yeah. Yeah, and with the leading wicket-takers, Trent Copeland took 52 wickets, Jackson Bird, 50 wickets. Now, there's an, a man that doesn't get mentioned a lot about possible bowlers to go to England. Jackson Bird, you know, played in the Ashes last summer, mm. obviously on the flattest deck ever, but 50 wickets at 22.22, um, that's a pretty healthy return. Yeah, he's an excellent first-class bowler, isn't he? Um, so Tasmania was a bit of a juicy deck this year, wasn't it? Yeah, but this, this year, oh. <laughs> so you know you couldn't see Copeland and Bird going, but you could certainly see, certainly see one of them going. So let's move on now from the Sheffield Shield to the IPL. The IPL is started, and it's on Fox Cricket. So tune in. But it is just so much better than the Big Bash. Like that's what strikes me 
immediately. Andrew There's Jones will be on, on your back very shortly. Hard. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? There's uh, more it, stars, yeah. more international players, more intensity. The best domestic players are available. Yep. There's huge passionate crowds, Pete. Huge. They're like hanging from the rafters. It's unbelievable. Well, proof is in the pudding and, and, and in the eating or whatever they say. Um, what's that cliche I'm looking for? I've found myself watching bits of the IPL. You're a T20 tragic. Never, <laughs> never happened during the summer with the BBL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've wanted to tune in. And it's the star factor. I'm sorry. It, it, you, you just want to watch the stars. Gale, De Villiers, you know, Coley. You, you come home a bit cross eyed from Warner. the pub. Mm. You know, if you go to pubs, I don't. I go to the library at night. But you come home cross eyed <laughs> from the library and uh, you see Warner's on 48, not out. And, you know, you want to tune in or Johnny Bairstow or. There's it, just it, lots just of familiar it. names. It's a great tournament. It's so good. Um, I guess, you know, we spoke about David Warner's return. Him and Johnny Bairstow um, put on 185 runs opening the batting for the Sunrisers. <laughs> Isn't that an unlikely partnership? Yeah, I so think they celebrated is... with a headbutt. <laughs> no, they were hugging. Oh, they the irony is I really thought they hated each other. I mean, all the rumours from the last Ashes were that Bairstow and Warner were at each other. And now they're hugging. They were at each other. Yeah, now that, like, they're going to be best mates by the end of this IPL. Yeah, look, I mean, they've lined their pockets with a lot of cash, and maybe that's just put them in good moods. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> maybe making us hundreds like drinking twelve beers. You know, <laughs> Warner starts to look pretty. Yeah. yeah. Well, the funny thing was, I think Bester had to give the the cap to signify leading run scorers to Warner because. You know, they present it from one player to the other. And, yeah. you know, Bairstow presenting Warner this thing was just so comical. Well, it, it tells you something too, doesn't it? Like, it, it, once you're in a team together and you've got common purpose, a lot of things fall fall to the side. You, you know, the, the stuff that you talk about when you're all sitting around, you know, sort of the enmities that, that have bred over, say, 12 months since, say, something like Sandpaper Gate will fall away once you're in a team and you've got a common purpose. And particularly when you're going well. But... If it's all if it's all going to hell in a handbasket, they might be at each other again. Too. That's when the cracks appear. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was brilliant to see those two hugging. Steve Smith has shown glimpses of form in the IPL. I've been watching his innings very closely, Joe. Because you don't two? think, yeah. And uh, he's looked good. You can just tell though he's a little bit behind his recovery from his surgery than Warner is. He's not quite as confident as Warner is. And Warner had, I think, a, a great hundred before he left the IPL. So you just tell Smith's a bit behind. Yeah, difficult. Batting further down the order too, isn't he? So it, it's it's the glory spot opening. Mm. But, uh, he yeah. did. You he know, is a bit behind, and I think we've written that from the start, wouldn't we? That it was a more significant injury than the one that Warner had. He did um, step across to the offside and flick a ball 20 rows back into the crowd from outside off stump. So he, not many batsmen in world cricket can do that. Probably still one of the, well, he is one of the great batsmen, isn't he? Look at his test numbers. Undeniably, yeah. Yeah. So that's the week of cricket headlines. We are going to take a break. Then we are going to be back with Can't Let It Go and Listener Mail. I just want to let you all know that the show is on social media. The show is on at Oz Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me at Amenas on Twitter. The next episode of this podcast, there is a revealing look into one of the biggest con jobs in Australian sport called World Series Cricket. I've got author Daniel Bretig on the podcast and uh, just sort of go through the way history has been whitewashed. So that is coming next week. We'll be back with Listener Mail and Can't Let It Go. 
Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. We're almost at the end. I'm here with Joe Barton, sports writer for the Daily Telegraph. I've got Pete Lawler, media star and cricket writer for the Australian. All right, let's get into listener mail. I just want to thank everybody for all the messages about the last podcast with Jeff Lemon about the sandpaper fiasco. It was a great response from all of you out there, so I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Thanks to Archie and SLG for their five-star iTunes reviews. And I also got a lovely email from Sean Barry. He said, G'day, Menas. Just wanted to get in touch and say thanks for your excellent work on the podcast. As a Kiwi cricket tragic living abroad in a cricket desert, your podcast helps me keep in touch with the Australian cricket happenings. And uh, he said he's going to three World Cup games. So good on you, Sean. Enjoy Australia beating the Black Caps at Lords, uh, and uh, just another bit of news: the Test rankings came out today. So you got India, the top-ranked Test side, they get a million bucks for that. New Zealand, Sean, second, they get half a million bucks. Third, South Africa. Fourth, Australia. Fifth, England. They're the top five ranked Test sides. England and Australia level on points. So this is going into the Test Championship, I guess. So they'll all get reset for the Test Championship starts in the ashes. Well, let's uh, wrap this up with Can't Let It Go, where each of the panellists picks one bit of cricket news that they just can't let go of from the week. Start with you, Joe. Thanks, Mattis. Um, I What I can't let go is the uh, the outrage and almost intrigue I felt when I looked at... Uh, well, this thing popped up on my timeline on Twitter this week. Somebody posted their all-time ODI... Australian ODI 11, and I just thought, this is complete lunacy, because <laughs> this person had Glenn Maxwell in their all-time Australian ODI 11. He has the best strike rate of any batsman in the history of the game, like literally the best ever, like every other player that's played one-day cricket, like every other player, Viv Richards, list, list, Dean Jones. Listeners may have worked out that it was Andrew Mensel. Who Adam Gilchrist. The, uh, if you flap any harder, <laughs> Didn't, didn't didn't have Andrew Simons in this team, by the way. Yeah, really? he just yeah. missed out. But as I said, Glenn Maxwell is literally the best batsman ever, according to strike rate in one-day cricket. Better than Coley, you know, better than Tendulkar. He's played 100 games. How many hundred, uh, centuries has he got in that? 100, 100 He's got ODI. like six 90s, though, and one century. <laughs> one century and 100 games. Okay. That's yeah, he was batting yeah. seven in my team. It's not like I had him opening. Yeah, I, I, I used to at one point think I was among Australia's biggest Glenn Maxwell fans, but I've been blown out of the water. I don't even think I'm on the register anymore. What are you talking about? I'm just sticking to facts. I'm an unbiased podcaster. You choose your facts very selectively. That is not true. I I think my side was really good. What was it? Gilchrist, Mark Waugh, who was it? Three Ponting, and then I had Steve Waugh, Mark Waugh, Maxwell. It was a really good side. I think think if you swap someone to Maxwell, did you get Bevan in? Bevan's in there, yeah. Oh, yeah, Bevan was in there, yeah. All right, so uh, that's your can't let it go. Yeah, you can't, can't let, let go. The Maxwell is the best ever. It's yeah. better than Andrew Simons, no. Pete, do you have um, yeah, a just bit of news? On, I got one on the hop because you get emails. I got an email this week. Oh, yeah? It, yeah. Dear Mr. Lawler. I like that. 
I saw you on Offsiders on Sunday. I understand you are. I understand you are a respected journalist with expertise in cricket journalism. Hmm. However, I find it astonishing that you are enthusiastically promoting the reselection of two crybaby cheats, namely David Warner and Steve Smith. These two men make me ashamed to be Australian. They represent everything I abhor in sport. They should be picked to represent Russia in cricket, as they seem to have no problem with cheating or with PR crocodile tears when their cheating is found out. Boo-hoo. This is not Australian sport. A line has been crossed. That you could promote their reselection at the expense of the existing Australian team, which during the Ashes will be subjected to derision and humiliation, shows you are part of the old culture where winning is everything. Shame on you. Shame on you. Well, I, just I always thought you would have blamed for sand cape, Sandpaper Gate. There, um, there is interesting, though, that you do get that reaction a little bit about them, about Smith or Warner or Bancroft. You always get a couple of people who say, you know, cheats or whatever. It's just, just there. People are just triggered by it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can't let go. One thing um, that your documentary pointed out that you were on downfall that actually I didn't know, but it, Brendan Julian said... He went to Lehman hmm. and said, you are being watched. Your yeah. team is being watched very closely. Yeah, he did Be tell Be careful. Them that. Yeah, he did tell them that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know how you can be warned and still get caught. I just, yeah. All right, my can't let it go. Let's stick with the sandpaper people. Cameron Bancroft, I read a report that he was being looked at as being a possible backup wicketkeeper for the Ashes, and I just about fell off my chair because... Okay, he's a good batsman, but I don't think he's done enough to get back in the team. But how could he leapfrog all the other wicketkeepers in Australia that have done well? So Matthew Wade scored over a 1,000 runs. Peter Neville's a much better keeper. Alex Carey's the one-day vice-captain. How could you think what, what for about? one second about making Bancroft your second wicketkeeper? It just seems like there's this sort of guilt because he took the fall and uh, – got in a lot of trouble that we need to sort of look after him and, you know, massage him back into the side. I mean, to even consider him as the backup Ashes wicketkeeper is lunacy. You didn't even mention the uh, the bloke you've got being the only keeper in the Australian one-day squad for the World Cup. Peter Hanscom. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have him as your backup Ashes keeper either. Why not? You said he's he said as he good as Alex Carey. He said he doesn't like to keep in first-class cricket, so you, you can't way. make him a test keeper. I think they're just, they're just trying to shoehorn um, Bancroft. If, if that that's is, right, you they're, said it. They're, they're trying, trying to shoehorn, shoehorn him back in, which just doesn't make sense. But, sh- but for the reason that he's scored a bucket load of runs, yeah, he's um, got a bucket load of runs. But he's looked very good, and he's a, and Langer's obviously a big fan, and they that's do have the they do have guys they do have guys who are at the top of the order and who've scored a lot of runs as well, who are going to be very hard to drop. That's such, right. Such so Bancroft just sit out, like happened to every other Australian cricketer in history, when you don't get picked. Well, you know, I'm picking Alex Carey. Great. Well, I guess we'll wrap up this edition of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, the second year running award-nominated podcast. Uh, Peter, (laughs) thank you for coming into the office and coming on the show. Always a pleasure to come on the show. Joe Barton, thanks for coming back and filling in at the last minute for Steve Wilson, who was running scared after the stitch-up in the episode I had with him two weeks ago. Always a pleasure to be the backup. You know, you're a really good backup, don't worry. You'd be my 
um, backup Wicked Keeper on an Ashes tour. Fantastic. Oh. I'll take it. I've got an interesting story for tomorrow's paper. Watch Ooh. this space. So that's it. Log on to theaustralian.com.au and find Pete Lawler's work. You've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and I'll be back next week with a special show on World Series Cricket. <laughs> Thank you.